cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares, I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive, learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Oliani on the board. SP Futures down 18. NASDAQ Futures down 77 as we're looking to uh, dip a little bit here this morning. After a bunch of days in a row that we were pretty much up. Uh, when I say pretty much up, we were up. I think the Dow was five days in a row. But... Uh, yeah, we had a nice rally last week, all the way all the way through the week, and we'll we'll see what happens this week. We got uh, uh, CPI numbers coming out. We got all kinds of things coming out, so uh, we'll see how that plays out. We have the uh, Russians with a with a t- allegedly temporary stop to the big gas pipeline under the Baltic Sea, supposedly for uh, maintenance. Uh, we'll see how that works out. So all kinds of stuff happening. Do we have Mr. Greg? Chief, how are you, buddy? Going, sir. All right, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Good. I uh, I spent the uh, the weekend doing. Uh, um, you're not going to believe this, I, even though you probably already know. I was in a concealed carry class. I'm going to talk more about it with John, but it's very interesting. Just Sam, what do you think of that? Hey, sorry, lost you there. Said I, I was heard, in a uh, I was in a concealed carry over class. You were in the concealed carry class, right? Yeah, and we went to the to the range last night. God, what a show that is place is packed. I'm glad you guys are all still in one piece. Uh, we did the best we could with Greg, you know, but uh, um, he did fine. Well, we, we did all right. Uh, we actually really now the question is, did he show up late? Hour and a half late. Oops. First, Oops. first day. Where's Greg? Where's Greg? I kept, there's only seven people in the class, so it's pretty noticeable. So he walked in. Did he have a big notebook, too? Uh, no. He oh, was just kind of okay. kind of sitting there <laughs> But I mean, it's uh, it's twenty hours of pretty intensive stuff. I mean, it's and and when you I'll go through the whole details of Mr. Flanagan because some of the laws are kind of interesting. But kind of at the end of the day, you end up sort of right back where you were. You know, use your head and try and stay out of situations like that. <laughs> you know, it it basically puts you right back. Like if you, I suppose if you went and became a a master kung fu artist, all they tell you about is stay away from situations where you got to use it. Sort of the same thing. Yeah, and unless if you're going to pick up that barrel, you better be <laughs> better be willing to use it. Well, yeah, it's it's a uh, you know plus when it, when you come down to all the places that you can actually not bring it, it leaves you with perilously few places you can. You know, so it's almost at a point where it 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 probably ends up you know in more detail in Jan's time, but uh, basically you can end up using it when you can carry in your car and basically walking along a street, kind of a crummy neighborhood, and and sort of in your house, which you could do anyway. You don't need to be concealed to have it in your house. So you can't go to, you can't even drive through a post office lot and put your, your stuff in the mailbox. But any sort of school, yeah. any sort of uh, teaching facility, any sort of, even as forest preserves, any kind of sports venue, any kind of you know building that has the thing in the front, any sort of federal building, you can't even, you can't even leave it in the, parked in the car in a federal building. You know, you got to park in a different parking lot. So I mean, it's it's really really not even in the trunk. No, post office, same thing. Any kind of federal thing, the lots are part of. Some places have what they call a, a, a like if you 
if you can't bring it into, say, a casino, there's there's a term I forgot after 20 hours, but you can you can get out of your car, walk to the trunk, lock it in the trunk, and walk it in the casino. But a federal federal like a post office you can't even do that. So by the time you're all said and done, security was actually a huge concern for uh, us over the weekend. I'm not sure if I mentioned before, but did a large fundraiser, one of the Greek fests on the north side, and just a big portion of that, uh, those meetings and the day was talk, talking about security and where to place the undercovers and where to place the uh, the security guards, just because, you know, there's that possibility of bad actors and weird, just unsavory characters that roam around sometimes, and how do you deal with it, and it's a big church event, so DK's the Department of cultural affairs and special events in the city really really has uh, stringent requirements for that and we relied heavily on uh, off-duty and on-duty CPD so well yeah it's a bit of kind of a business for those guys you know definitely and we're happy to pay him and happy to have him because he it's security is number one well there's, cap- there's competition. credibility I think we've been doing it for 60 years so well competition between those groups to be your security person is fairly keen. The same. And completely worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know... We're it, fortunate to have a... I, I think more than 3,000 or 4,000 people showed up and, you know, serve a lot of food and have uh, the dancing and all the other Greek stuff going on, and you don't want those bad actors walking in, at least uh, no. unsupervised. Well, the... Uh, Obviously, in the, in the well, I was going to say the Highland Park thing was during the summertime, but generally, <laughs> when people are wearing shorts and a T-shirt, it's pretty hard to conceal. Well, you know, I assume your your festival is big enough where you need a permit? Uh, yeah, you start applying two, three months in advance, and then you clean up the details if the city uh, requires it, you know, in those last couple months. Well, you the can't... case is, is the real deal. Any Anything that... Any event that requires a permit by a governmental authority, you can't carry. I don't know if anybody knows yeah. that. But. So here, we since we set up you know large tents, the city really has uh, stringent requirements with the wind regulations for those tents. Oh, yeah. Who sets it up and are they... Are they so the downside is it's very expensive, obviously, to have all those insurance and the architectural plans and the... the Barrels and stuff from the fire department that they all fill up to secure the tents and the security plans and all that. But the upside is, you know, it's a great time. It is a good time. Our, you're, our you're buddy, uh, our buddy, restaurant Al came out a few times. Uh, he he said they used to work some of these festivals. Isn't there like a burger fest somewhere? Uh, and he said, There's "I'm playing that. that I know of in the city." Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you played that, Eliani, the burger fest. Yeah, because well, but Al says it, it's really. I mean, everybody thinks he may call this money. <laughs> he says you're really, it's really uh, dangerous, not dangerous, economically dangerous. He says because if it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you pre-buy, you, you can't just go to the, the place here and get, you know, 3,000 hamburgers. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you need to, you know, get, get a, a packing house maybe in Western Illinois or someplace. They all have to be done properly. They have to be frozen. You have to be able to bring them there. While they're either still frozen, you know what you need, Chief. You need something. Burger futures. Yeah, but the <laughs> but he says if you get 
I mean, if you, if you, if you, everything goes swimmingly and it's 75 degrees and the place is packed for three days, you can make some decent scratch. He said, if you get rained out Friday night, Saturday morning, anywhere, you're left with 2,000 hamburgers and you lose dough. What do you do? Right, and that's yeah. the thing that the 10 companies know. So they'll charge you as much as they think you're going to make. <laughs> yeah. So the, those tents are really your saving grace if it starts raining. Because people, you know, half hour last night it rained. People just go under the tent or go inside, and then they come back out. I know, will say I have I have drinking. done I have done shows where it does rain and people do love to come out in the rain believe it or not. I did Oktoberfest not the year before but before the pandemic hit. I did Oktoberfest and it's usually like 5 10,000 people and at least 5,000 people showed up really? still. And they I mean people like, people bring umbrellas. People want to come out especially these days people have been so people have been aching for stuff like this so coming back to work as a musician after having not done it for so long the fact that the demand is not is actually increased you know we've been getting even higher paying gigs because people want us to play and people want to people do come we did a show in michigan for the first time at this casino we nearly sold out the entire well, venue it was incredible so people are people will people will do anything to come see you no matter, <laughs> you no matter how much you charge it's cheaper than gambling well, well, that and also like people, people enjoy this stuff. I think people are, especially these days, you know. And I don't know how long this the stamina is going to last, but people are realizing that, you know, being able to attend a concert is a really huge privilege, and people are really taking advantage of it these days. So even if it's raining or if it's cloudy or even if it's like a hundred degrees, people do show up, and it's pretty cool. So well, really, well, really, really grateful to those people because I get to keep my bandmates and my security team employed. Well, that is good, but it's, it'll last until the credit card runs out. It appears. Uh, I mean, people are even people are even worse at the, than they have ever been these days. People come to shows for escapism. I actually had yep. some guy. I did um, I did my comeback show yesterday, and I should not have done it, but I uh, I did a show just yesterday and for West Loop Fest, and there was this this these kind of like team of people too it was my left but their right and the guy he's like he's like i just lost my job and he's like but this is the best thing i he's like i needed this and he's like thank you and then he then he gave me a huge tip it was really nice it's really a sweet gay guy but his name is sam and he was really really nice and yeah people people no matter if, if people are having a, a worse time they want to have a good time and that's what that's what we that's what we do so a lot of these fests and a lot of these venues are relying on musicians to fulfill people's need for happiness that's what that's what the job is so i mean the risk is yeah if it gets rained out or things like that sometimes it does happen that we've been flooded out before but um they wouldn't keep doing it if there wasn't an income if it wasn't any you know financial um, well, people, you're promise right. to be made people you know definitely want to get after it's only been like two and a half years for god's sake so yeah so been a long time and also chief you've got only three or four months you can do that here yeah, <laughs> so oh yeah. that demand all gets compressed into that small time for sure What's uh, hey, Greg? Well, we have we have fifteen minutes. We at least do some on the energy and metals and uh, grains and stuff. And what do you see? I I uh, I'm, I'm continue to be stunned. I guess I'll always be stunned. Get some congressman on this morning. He wants to change the Fed's mandate now to not worry about inflation. Just keep pouring money in so the market stays up. And it looks like we're doing better, even though we're not. <laughs> I mean, what? what shouldn't there be some sort of a basic third grade economics class before you you enter the House floor or the Senate floor? Well, maybe um, other <laughs> other people would say, you know, just let the market determine it. So, who's influencing the market? Is there a recession? 
Um, what are the expectations? I think everybody's a little been shell shocked the past year and a half or so, or especially the past three mar- four months. And they've got premiums up high with volatility. Really, if you look at corn, um, yeah, corn's back to pre-invasion levels. So we've gone full circle. And I want to say corn vol is 35%. And for those who are unfamiliar with volatility, uh, 35% corn vol is annualized, meaning you can expect up or down 35% in a year. So we've we've done that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's been less than four months. So it's there's big premiums associated with having the underlying, meaning having the corn and being able to you know dictate the price on your terms. So yeah, your inputs went up, but really you had the opportunity to sell forward. So say six months out or four months out um, at prices three dollars higher. So well, you could. You also have to be in a position. I mean, uh, we have this guest on on Monday morning that was talking about as little as five six weeks ago, or the the, the crop was not a given in some areas it was it was late getting in and you got to really have a a couple of big cojones to to uh sell the futures forward when you don't have your crop in well that's part of your job is yeah. <laughs> managing the risk and eventually the market tells you who's good at managing risk and who isn't because it's just so wild right now um before i want to say what was it february 28th or whenever uh, russia decided there their invasion. Uh, say we were at five and a half dollar corn. We rallied all the way up to, you know, close to eight dollars, and then now we're what six six and a quarter today in the six thirty eight. I'm looking right at it. Six thirty eight up fifteen cents. Yeah. So I mean, these are just big moves percentage wise. Historically, uh, what corn? Let's let's see. I'm taking a look five versus ten years ago, and you just, when things double or half, that's when you find out, you know, who's got their their stuff together, because managing all those costs, either inflation or deflation, with a product that takes you, uh, you know, heavily financed, so just leverage all over the place. Well, my brother went down to train. Uh, Dan traded corn uh, options for a long time on a board of trade. This was in the 80s, you know, I'm going to say 86, 87, somewhere in there. And uh, first day on the floor, some, and he's a likable guy, so this, this then old fart, <laughs> which he probably wouldn't be to us now. Uh, son, let me tell you, corn costs two fifty a bushel. If it gets much below that, you buy it. If it gets much above that, you sell it. Well, in those days, I'm going to say most farmers could get the crop out of the ground for what buck 75 buck 90 maybe and uh so that was those were like your costs and uh i don't know if that included rent and stuff but i mean it's going back a ways what would you say even in today's world of high seed hard to find fertilizer all that stuff what do you suppose the end of the day fertilizer fertilizer i mean when it's done the same thing as the underlying you know if the price triples because people go nuts well, you got a plan for that, <laughs> and the fertilizer. I really like to see the fertilizer volatility numbers because they're probably uh, higher than the crude oil 
uh, volatility. In crude oil volatility, they expect to go 50% up or down, you know, this this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what but what do so, you... Uh, <laughs> that means $50, so anywhere from, you know, $50 to 150 That's what the traders are pricing in. Well, that's because you have... You have two things volatile. You got the oil volatile and you got the dollar volatile. So they're, they're working together. So it's not just one or the other, because the Fed's, in my opinion, is not doing their job and keeping the dollar stable. So now you've got two things. Yeah, the dollar versus most other currencies, virtually all, I believe, uh, has rallied. Yeah. So as a as a holder and as a holder of U.S. equities. Especially, I don't know if people are calculating that into their returns. Well, that's that's, that's, a, that's just a huge win. Well, it is in some ways. But well, uh, before we leave this, what, what, what would you say the farmers, you know, and it, it ranges from guy to guy, what do you suppose the farmers all-in price now is, Two seventy-five, three. Uh, I really don't know because I'm not a farmer. It all depends on your, the same thing as everything else. So your your landlord's agreement, if, if you uh, have hedged your costs and how far out so i'd imagine those that price varies to be similar to whatever the corn ball is so 35 percent so whatever that that number was before i would say you know up or down 35 percent well i'm saying yeah it probably does depend on when you bought the seed and the fertilizer and all that kind of stuff but by and large i'll i'll bet their costs can't have gone much more than about three three fifty so at six fifty, they're doing pretty good. I think. Oh, definitely. If you, if you, but again, that's assuming you didn't panic and buy yeah. all the, your inputs at the high, and sell all your futures at the low. Well, and you don't have a hailstorm that was over your farm either, which is possible. Yeah, and there's. I mean, for example, they've had what three derechos, which are just massive storms, eighty mile an hour winds or whatever in. South Dakota, I want to say, in a few years, just two two years, they've they've had their crops flattened, and they come back, you know, give them ten days or so. But that's serious uh, concern. You have to go up and, and pick the plants back up and stake them like a tomato plant. I don't think so. They 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 kind of do the hope and wait thing for about ten days and see if they start turning back up. Well, isn't that one of the uh, one of the reasons a lot of people? Uh, Actually, especially Irish people, from what I understand, and I'm half Irish, um, have issues with wheat because originally, uh, how can I put this politely, Eliani? Wheat, wheat looked like an old it guy. Was limp. Yeah, it looked, it, it, looked <laughs> like, it looked like an old guy without Viagra. Let's put it that way. You, the wheat would just fall down, and then and this guy would. He, somebody invented was it was actually a DNA move, wasn't it, uh, Greg? It was. It, yeah, it, the it, original technology. Yeah, it was a DNA technology. And, uh, and somebody altered a gene in the weed. When you see the, you know, the, they used to play the, the national anthem every night when I was a kid. They'd throw amber waves of grain. You see this weed field flowing back and forth. Well, that never used to happen until this guy fixed the weed, right? Where, where it pretty much stands up. Yeah. There. Some people think that that's, you know, why we're all sensitive to wheat now. Or, yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of theories, and I'm not a scientist or doctor, but it's, it, the technology involved in those is astounding. I mean, we've been breeding, breeding crops to do specifically that kind of stuff since. But in those days, couple, there was no know, such thing as a. Years ago, there was no such thing as a test at how it affected you. 
hey, the wheat stands up, we get more per acre, this is great, let's run with it. There, there was no such thing as a test as to how, how it affected the people that ate it, right? Right, and, and on a nominal level, you know, more is good and we get to feed people for cheaper. Uh, the risk part of that is, okay, is it, uh, will it be a problem if that type of variation gets sick? So if you get one disease on the, and that wipes out that one variation of your crop, you know, that's a big risk. So a lot of the non-GMO people uh, are very concerned about what happens, you know, if there's no natural selection and your one variation that gets you a ton of yield in this one specific situation, what happens if that goes south? Are we going to lose 25% of the crop? Right. We don't, we don't care about 25% of the population necessarily. Well, we don't care about <laughs> Like the problem we ran into, just a, uh, and I'm, it's still a problem, obviously. Um, the United Nations says more than 120 million people had uh, food security and famine problems as the prices in wheat and corn, uh, you know, up 40 percent or whatever it was at the time. Now we're back to you know square one, which is still a big problem, but but we were in serious danger territory into where people couldn't afford food. My, uh, he always gets pissed at me when I tell him, ask him to find it for me again because I always lose it, but there's a, you know, you know what I'm talking about, there's actually a United Nations uh, worldwide inflation or price sheet that comes out, what, every week? And uh, my, my brother is all on this because, of course, he, he's still a corn trader at heart, even though he's a president of PTI. The, uh, he he told me that the, you want to look at the cereal column. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, Greg? They call it cereal. They don't call it corn or wheat. They call it cereal, right? And it's a uh, grain. Yeah. When that gets over five bucks, virtually, if you look at an, not an average, but whatever the whatever the math term would be, of people who live in you know, uh, you know, Baca Valley and, and those kinds of places in in, in countries, yeah, Southeast that, Asia, yeah, the Middle Egypt, East, all the people it. who import yeah. most of their food. If you get over five bucks a day for eating, it basically be- means that most people, I mean, the unemployment rate in some of these areas is, what, 50%. So it means that people necessarily can't afford enough to, to eat for the day. You know, we're talking grain. We're not talking Yeah, they have a hard enough problem yeah. with the current prices. You know, if you increase in 40%, uh, just, uh, yeah. But if you... Scary if, to think about that. Well, if you correlate... In terms of inflation... What do we look at? I think it's uh, at the Board of Trade. It's the Bloomberg Commodity Index. Yeah. Well, but we. But if, if you, you if look you look at, at the last time, two thousand seven. There, I mean, that went up to two forty. It's one sixteen right now. In two thousand eight yeah. or two thousand seven, it was two forty. Well, that's what if uh, that's what Dan, my bro, always wants to correlate. The last time it went scooting up, it correlated with the Arab Spring and all kinds of stuff, Upris- uprisings worldwide that you could clearly point a finger at and say, hmm, it, it might have been, they didn't like this politician, but it also might have been the price of food nobody could eat, right? I mean, are they, all these, all these, <laughs> but all these, all these issues have economic underlyings to them, I think. I mean, don't you? I mean, it's... You so, know. I didn't realize, but looking at the word inflation and kind of putting prices on it, I don't know, food and energy and commodities for me mean the Bloomberg uh, Commodity Index. And over the weekend, I just kind of took a look, and I think we were, like, where we were in 2003. So we've printed all this money, 
and the commodity index hasn't moved. Now, it's been up to 240 when we went uh, parabolic or whatever with the, with the mortgage problems. But in terms of the commodity index, according to Bloomberg, in uh, here, we're at the same level as 2003. They, they must have some sort of a inflator on that because there's, there's no way corn was 640 a bushel. Well, part of it, in my opinion, maybe the euro, if that was 130, where did that start? Oh, well, euro's been anywhere from, it was under a dollar at one point. It's been as high as 165, 170, somewhere. That's about the range, I think. I'm not, I'm not an expert on that, but I do recall one time way back in the day where it ducked under a buck. For a while, and it was really yeah. So way back in the day, yeah. I I don't know how to really average that in, but in 2000, you know, if the commodity index was uh, say a buck fifteen, and the what's it called the the euro price against the dollar was one thirty or yeah. one one forty. It or, seems like it averages around the one thirty number. It, it's always kind of in there one twenty one thirty. It seems to me. I don't. Like I said I'm not a. Yeah. So now we're in the same spot, but our dollars worth thirty percent more. So maybe that means that the commodity index relatively could be, you know, one one forty or one fifty versus versus one fifteen as it is right now. But See, but now you know you're you're, you're I, speaking I you're speaking as a Midwestern American. You're, you're, the dollar is, is always the thing that hold, you hold steady, and the other stuff moves. But that's not necessarily the case with this Fed. The dollar right. is moving. I mean, this this is always this takes in this is an aggregate, so it yeah. takes in everything, and it's at the same level as it was in two thousand three. Well, so right, either buddy. Bloomberg's wrong or we're wrong. I have no idea. I think they they've got some kind of an inflator in it because I don't think corn was six bucks in two thousand and three. Do you? I may, well, may have been, I but uh, for you. well, we got a we got a dash, but you uh, take care of yourself. Good stuff. Glad you guys made it through the uh, the festival and uh, made it made some scratch. Two thousand three, it was two dollars and sixty two cents. Yeah, so how does how is that even? It's kind of crazy. I don't know. Yeah, SP futures down twenty two, Nasdaq futures down eighty eight. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello and welcome to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tamal Aliani on the board. SP Futures down 22.50. NASDAQ Futures down 91. Uh, like I said we were up almost the last week. Dow Futures down 119. One notable stock this morning. Twitter's down $1.99, 3482 As Musk officially bails out of deal, uh, which anybody with a brain saw working figured was he's going to be out of six months ago. But uh, that's just a comment on my part. I mean, the guy, whatever. We'll talk about that in a minute. For Europe, we got the DAX down 86.7%, FTSE down 16.2%, Kek around down 35.6%, so down but not heavy. Uh, over in Asia, we got the Nikkei up 295, 1.1%, Shanghai down uh, 42, 1.3%, uh, Tencent and Alibaba are getting hammered here, so we've got Hang Seng down 601 to almost under 21,000, 21,124, that's a full 2.8%, so that index remains absolutely the most the, the craziest is uh is they're involved in these uh chinese uh, ecl- uh shall we say internet firms and other things uh in the u.s as of for friday the dow was down 46 the s&p was down three and the nasdaq was up 13. so the uh um, we're very much of an inside day probably the slowest day we've had in a real long time a very typical summer friday Bonds down five uh, basis points but still over three now 305 the bun down five basis points, but 1.28. Japan down one to 0.24. We've got oil down 234, 102.45, still over 100. Brent down a dollar 79, 105.23. Natural gas up 26 cents. That's a huge move. It's 4% natural gas of 6.29 is the number. Again, the uh, Russians are initiating a allegedly uh, maintenance shutoff of the major gas terminal under the Baltic Sea to. Uh, Northern Europe, and we'll see how that's, that plays out. Arbob down three cents, uh, three forty-one. 
which still makes you wonder why gas is at 550. Somebody's making some dough along the line. Uh, gold down 820, 1734. Silver down 7 cents, 1916. Copper down 6 cents, 346. And we've got Bitcoin down 313, 20,504. Getting closer to that 20,000 number, which a lot of people think is somewhat of a line in the sand, whether it is or it isn't. I mean, who knows? Uh, Eliani, what do you got for us, Travis? Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.36 a.m. on July 7th. Let's start with sports. Uh, looking at the game last uh, last night, Cubs lost to the Dodgers 11-9. Uh, White Sox beat the Tigers last night 4-2. Uh, we'll, they'll be playing the Guardians set at 6-10. Uh, Diamondbacks lost to the Rockies last night 3-2, and they will be playing the Giants set at 8-45. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, I'm move my microphone over here. Uh, Chicago, we have a beautiful day today. Currently 71, sunny with a high of 88, low of 70, so beautiful day. Uh, and Phoenix, currently clear skies, 93 with a high of 113 and a low of 91, so be mindful of that heat, you guys. Look, uh, looking at uh, traffic in Chicago this morning, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45 and Central, eastbound on I-90 between the 294 Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence. We have traffic eastbound on 94 between East Ohio and Canal Port, traffic westbound 94 between 43rd and West Division. We have traffic northbound finally on Route 171 and the 94 ramp with an accident at the uh, ramp to get onto the Edens Expressway, specifically at exit 292. And that's all I have for you, Chief. Back to you. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? You sure do. Good morning, Tom. Uh, how are you? Uh, uh, Greg just text- texted us a chart here that says the uh, for high-productivity farmland in central Illinois, the break-even price to cover total costs is... Uh, Estimated at four seventy three a bushel. Uh, it was averaged four dollars uh, last year, so um, that's where the input costs are up. So the input costs are up pretty huge. So the uh, hence the uh, uh, you know price of corn is part one of the reasons why it's up. But uh, it's also people are willing to pay four seventy three if they can sell it for six eighty. It's just the way the world is, right? Do we, which is which comes first, the chicken or the egg? They say. All right. So break even is four seventy three, huh? For for the good for the good land. Yeah, yeah. It's probably uh, this particular year. It was four last year, and it's obviously run up pretty fast. So uh, could have used you at the uh, could have used another attorney at the at the concealed carry class. I want to hear all about this, Tom. It was. You know what? It's. I don't know. I don't know what you expect. I love, as you know, I love doing this stuff. It's not like I'm running down the block with 15 guns. That's not me. I don't think I'm ever going to buy one. But uh, I just thought, you know, hey, this sounded like a, a a good guy. And I hope to have him on the air. Mark Nielsen's his name. And you do the class in the basement, and the guy's a retired fire, you know, captain or something or other. And uh, but his he's uh, his kids have been policemen and firemen. And anyway, real nice house. So far up northwest in the city, I didn't know the city went that far. It's like it's like, it's like Tui and Oakton. I mean, it's way, way. Oh, Edison yeah, Park, yeah. I mean, it's way yeah. the hell up there. I think that's that's farther north than, than uh, I think anything in Rogers Park, even maybe. Oh yeah, it's 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 up there. It's and it's out there. I mean, you know, you're you you you're way west. You're in the O's. Over oh yeah, all those streets up that way. Yeah. When you get off of Tui, you're a solid three and a half miles west. You're, you mean you're way past Cicero and Central, and you're past Harlem by like a mile and a half. Yeah. But I had no idea the city went that far, you know, so I learned that at least. And uh, it's it's pretty fascinating. I mean, it's a solid 20 hours, Jen. you got to go through virtually everything, all the different laws, all the different uh, uh, different situations, and how do you react to this, and then it's... And plus, uh, most people, I had never handled guns, so 
I mean, it's it's not all that easy. I mean, a, a, a regular a revolver is easy, <laughs> but the other stuff. I mean, the guy must have had seven or eight, no, maybe like ten automatics up there. When I say semi-automatics, they're all different brands. They're all different. They all have different pull, you know, uh, pull things. They're all. It's it got to be three, four hours of the classes. What goes? What What do you do when those, when things go wrong with those guns? And I'm like, oh. I'm like, good lord. Uh, I mean, and, and you know, and then and you go to the range, and the range is mobbed. Just mopped. I mean, you, this is on a this is on a Sunday afternoon, for God's sake. I mean, is it, this is what people do on Sunday to go in some hot range and shoot, evidently. And uh, so we had our couple little spots, and uh, you, I mean, the, the test is, <laughs> you, I mean, if, if you if you don't pass the test, boy, there's something really wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> well, it's like a, it's a, like a, a figure of a, of a person, and. And then all all the different rings, and then you get down to the little little red thing in the middle, like the target, you know, where the heart is, obviously. And uh, you have to shoot ten shots at fifteen feet, ten at twenty one, and ten at thirty. Well, thirty's thirty's a ways with a little automatic. And uh, so you got to you got to get twenty one shots anywhere on the page, not like in the middle, <laughs> anywhere on the page. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was uh, it's only the second time I've ever shot, and. Uh, I had just about all of them in the middle. I probably had 15 of them on the target, and the rest of them were right around it. And I, get, I got a picture, a uh, text from the guy afterward, and he said, really good shooting. He goes, people that have been former athletes, former, uh, usually are really pretty good at this. But then kept jamming on the range. I didn't, I, I didn't know how to fix it, and he kept fixing it. And then there was a bad bullet in there. I mean, what the hell? But, uh, I mean, the place, every single spot is taken, and then there's the rifle spot. That's a whole other room. Then there's a big class going on in there, and I, boy, I tell you what, I could never have done, you know, in my advanced age, ten hours at like a crummy ass chair and a desk. I mean, at least his place, you got you're sitting on sofas. There's seven people there. You walk up and grab a water, or he's got coffee going, and bathroom's right there, and he serves you lunch. I mean, I mean, I, I, I would never want any part. I mean, that was bad. When I say bad enough. It's a it's a long couple of days, but I mean, you get to practice with these little laser pistols. I should get some of these for the office because the target has a has a, a dinger on it. So if you pull it next to somebody who's asleep, you go hit it and the thing will go ding ding ding. You know when you, when you hit it. So you, <laughs> you, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> at the end of the day, John, it's all it's all comes down to pretty much common sense. I mean, uh, the laws are such that you really can't be concealed damn near anywhere really, other than your car and walking down the block. Any any building, any forest preserve, any U.S. place, whatever it is, you can't you know you can't conceal i mean if you if you ever even stop for one beer you better have a thing in the trunk i mean you, you can't it's uh it, you know it, it's all and, and i'm gonna say 90 maybe because it was this gentleman doing it 90 percent of the class is totally common sense how to keep yourself out of all the situations you would ever need to use it yeah that's about the most valuable training of all maybe yeah and uh you know <clears throat> if you if you're if you're dumb enough to see two people walking down the middle of the street, you know, two teenagers walking down the middle of the street, and you go open your car door and don't keep an eye on them, and you get jumped, the gun's not going to help you. You're an idiot to start with, right? You know, you know basically, you're not an idiot, you're unaware. It's all about being aware. If somebody bumps into the back of your car and two guys get out of the car, get the bleep out of there. Stay, stay far enough behind the guy in front of you. Don't think that you're going to pull your gun and start shooting. I mean, if you've been that dumb to that point, the gun's not going to help you, right? So it's, and it is, and then the people who were there were young people. Well, one was an older lady, but 
uh, two of my attorney buddies, and the rest of them were young people. And one of the guys, uh, I think one of the ladies goes through a bad neighborhood to school, and then one of the guys works outdoors in one of the uh, metro facilities, and then one, of, you know, one of the switching yards or something. So we're we're talking about people that basically have have lost, and I don't think anybody in there, maybe one guy, I don't think anybody there is going to run out today. It takes you forever to get the card. And, and go and start buying weapons. It's all about just in case it gets worse than it is. And basically, there's there's zero confidence. And I'm not talking about the individual people. There's zero confidence in law enforcement today protecting you, or at least going forward. Where if it gets any worse, I got to protect myself because they're not doing it. And you know that's that's my John. The idea, if you'd have mentioned 20 years ago that I might be in one of these classes, I would have said, "You're out of your friggin' mind. What do I need to do that for?" Yet. In the last three months, how many t- twice now? I've walked down the street in the morning and seen some police lines. <laughs> well, I'm in the same boat you are, Tom. I, I mean, I would have never seen myself interested in possessing a gun, knowing how to use it, or or taking it out and using it in, in any kind of situation. I, I I never envisioned anything that would make me that desperate or you know afraid of my surroundings that I would I think I I would have anything to gain by doing that. But it, but as you say, it's a loss of confidence. It's the fact that it, you know you can't depend on people to do what you expect them, them to do. It's, it's an unfortunate situation. You have to take it into your own hands. I'd rather you know know how to use a gun and use it when I had to than surrender for some stupid thing to somebody who's got you know better firepower than I have. I just I think that's that's not that isn't something you have to die for. I just I find that kind of stupid. Well, plus they, I mean he was absolutely you know. An interesting guy. I mean, I really like him. Well, hopefully, we'll have him on the show. Uh, hopefully, a new friend. Um, the uh, <clears throat> so he he says he knows one guy who actually had to shoot somebody, and probably this was not even a concealed carry situation. The family's in his house, kind of minding their own business. All of a sudden, there's this crazed knock on the door. Some girl says this guy's like chasing me or something. He lets her in. The guy busts through the door knocks the door right off the hinges comes flying in and the guys tell him stop 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 so he shoots him and I guess you know shoes are sure enough the guy dies um, does not get charged but he uh, gets this huge lawsuit from the mother saying what a good boy he was and he never had any problems with the law before how good of a boy can you be when you bust through somebody else's front door I mean there's there has to have been some incident before that <laughs> would lead you to believe that this person at least has a temper, wouldn't you think? Oh, God. You, well, you, you saw about that episode in New York last week with this Dominican immigrant from several years, 30 years ago. He owns a bodega you know, store, and he was attacked by this guy with a knife in a you know, robbery attempt, and he got control of it and stabbed the guy and killed him. It was in self-defense. The whole thing's caught on video. And he's arrested on a you know, first-degree murder charge <laughs> with an astronomical bail. And finally, they got the bail reduced. But again, it's a you know, prosecutor like we see so many of right now that are charging the wrong people. You know, you, people like you know, Trudeau in Canada saying you don't have any right to defend yourself with a firearm. It's like, well, okay, I guess the only, there's, there's no defense against anybody, but including the government, once you reach that kind of a point. But the idea that you could, you know, kill somebody in self-defense when they're trying to kill you, um, and you're the you're the murderer, you're the bad guy. I, I just think that this world has gone.
were upside down. Well, the guy went through a whole list of things. Now, this guy, there were no charges fired, evidently. Filed, but then it was a, there was a civil suit. So he, he ended up, well, you never really win a suit against yourself, right? Because you, you, he didn't have to pay them, but he had to pay attorneys and everybody else. Right. So then, he's in kind of a smaller area. Everybody knows the guy got blasted in the house. The kids are going to counseling because it's right in front of everybody. He's going to counseling. Well, that costs. <coughs> the, uh, the wife decides she doesn't want to live in the house. <laughs> the guy got shot. There's a dead body in her living room, which I guess I can understand. So he has to puke the house out when the whole neighborhood knew there was a shooting there. Cheaper than he, you know, than the market price. They had to go buy another place. So <coughs> even, I mean, th- th- was, the guy was amazingly good at saying, look, when we say last resort, we mean last. I mean, I mean, this is not something you want to do. You know, he says if it, but he made a good point. He said, he goes, everybody has their their choke point, and he goes, for me, if you want my wallet, here's my wallet. If you want my truck, here's my truck. My grandson's in the back seat. That's a different story. Because he goes, everybody's got their their limit. I guess I can always get a new truck. You know, that type of thing. But the really the main focus now is is carjacking for a lot of people because you can't bring it anywhere else. You can't even, you can't even drive on a post office lot. Yeah, I was floored to hear, to hear you tell me all the carve outs when you were talking oh, about yeah, earlier. There's 23 carve outs. You can't bring it in a, 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 a Cook County Forest Preserve. Will County, you can. I mean, it, the, the, the nuances. I'm sitting here going through this stuff, and I'm like, at the end of the day. You basically can walk down the block. Menards, he says, Menards will let you in. <laughs> Nobody else will. Everybody puts the, <laughs> puts the thing on the. But Menards from he's from Wisconsin, right? Mort Menard, where all his name is. Uh, yeah. If been, um, virtually every building downtown's got the, the no. Oh yeah, the little crosshair. Yeah, I remember. But you, you can't go anywhere near, you know, Wrigley or Soldier Field or any concert venue. And I was kind of surprised. Anything, anything that is that needs a permit to operate. So if they close down Armitage for a block know, party, a block, well, because you need a permit for that. You do okay. Well, then, then you're right. Any, if, then you're right. I didn't think of a block party. I was thought like maybe you know Old Town Festival or something like that. But yeah, you're right. Even a block party, you can't take one of the block party. So you really, you re, I mean, if if you want to carry all the time, you really have to want it, right? You know, I I could see, um, you know, if Audrey had to go show a place in a really horrible neighborhood and I drove her over there, I could see maybe something like that. I mean, I, but I was there's no way, or, or in the morning here, if it starts, be, be, continues to be shootout alley right here in Wells and Congress, maybe, but then what am I going to do with the rest of the day? I can't take it to the bar, I can't take it to the bank, I mean, where, where am I going to go with it? It's useless. Well, the irony is you have to be more observant of these regulations than the people who are likely to hurt you. <laughs> well, you know, but you know, because they're not even—they don't think ahead. They're not looking at consequences. They're not doing the kind of you know analysis that people taking this course are going to do. Um, and I just you know, it kind of makes you think you're still outmanned. You're still out. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, it—it it really, like I said, it's the same thing as you became a you know seventh degree kung fu guy or something. A good a good teacher is going to tell you, you never you, if you use your head, you're never going to use it. I mean, the whole idea. I mean, all they talked about was carjacking, is all the times that you should, you know, make sure you can see the tires ahead of you. Always look to your right to see if the sidewalk is an escape spot if you need it. 
you know, all all those kinds of things. To, the stuff that you should be looking at anyway, and don't right, whether you have a gun or not. Yeah, absolutely. all the stuff you should be looking at anyway. If you see somebody coming up behind a car, always I didn't realize that you know always lock your car. If you're in a neighborhood that's a little bit uh, squirrely, get in your car, lock it before you open up the garage door. Those kinds of things. I would never have thought anything like that. You know, you keep you keep thinking people are okay, and yet you know maybe they're not. But he says the last thing you want to do is ever have to pull the thing out and shoot anybody. You know, then they give you all the routines. If you do, you know, where 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 you where you uh, call nine one one. What you tell them, you tell them you've been a, you you are the victim and not the shooter. First of all, I mean, but I mean, it's very well thought out all the way down the line. But at the end of the day, is if you use your head, you never you never do it. You know, and if everybody used their head, probably maybe we wouldn't. Even, but the idea that people are afraid enough to even go to these classes, John, it's scary. And then you go to these these gun ranges. I, I know it's not a place busier in my life. Why don't we own a gun range? Boy, and, yeah, it's yeah. That's that's fascinating. I mean, it, it is, and I know it's a recreational sport, and it, it always has been. I think it's you know um, symptomatic that when you got that kind of crowd, that uh, this is this is front and center in a lot of people's minds about what they want to be doing with their time. It's not just about hunting or going up to Wisconsin or someplace. Get some deer or whatever. It's about you know getting the shot off faster than the person is trying to shoot you. Well, I mean, if I if there was a rifle range or something in Wisconsin or was outside or whatever, and you had some room and you had some people, I would I wouldn't mind giving it a try. But the the idea of me going to this place, it's hotter than hinges of hell in there. It smells like God knows what because of all the powder and everything. And then you, and you and you're literally three feet apart from everybody shooting. It's louder than it can be. I, that, the thought of me going and doing—I mean, I, I, I did my thirty shots and I was out of there. I, I was probably—I was probably three minutes and gone. <laughs> <laughs> this was a very funny Frazier episode where Frazier's brother Niles, David Hyde Pierce, that he goes to the you know, fight, r- rifle range, firing range with his father, who's an ex-cop, and they're, they're crammed up. It's like they're you know in a voting booth or something. You know, something. They're that close to each other. That well, person either side, they all have the head, headphones on to muffle the noise and. Well, I, I, all of a sudden I hear this behind me. I'm like, <clears throat> kind of waiting by the door, and I hear this, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> and there's this older black couple, very pleasant-looking, you know, middle class, whatever. And uh, the guys, you know, they get to, you know, you, you bring everything in in a box. I mean, you can't just carry the gun in there like an idiot. You bring it in in a box, and you open the box on the table if it's your gun. I mean, there's, you know, there's very serious protocol to all this that you have to learn and to keep people safe. I'm looking at going, I almost said, shouldn't you two be at the bowling alley? <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? This this is what you, you drive all the way up here to God's Half Acre on a Sunday afternoon. And how much is this ammunition? The stuff isn't cheap. Um, we were shooting, a, you know, a 9mm, which you would never, you know, if you had a real gun, you'd never have a 9mm, right? Uh, but, I mean, if, if, you, if you're shooting like a 38 Special or 38s, good Lord, you can shoot 100 of those? It's got to be 50 bucks. And not to mention the range time. Um, you know, I, some, the, the idea of, of going there and coming out of there sneaking gunpowder as, as your Sunday afternoon, I'd much rather go bowling. <laughs> it's just me. I mean, the thought of that being, you know, a, a, reg, a riot, I mean, I I would probably, if I went, I'd want to go someplace where if I ever was going to get a gun, I'd want somebody to walk me through 10 different kinds where I could maybe do 10 shots with each one or something. Pay for all that. Pay for the education, so at least I'd know if I ever needed one what I would what I'd be looking for. 
I mean, it would be an educa- the next step in education is maybe what I would do. Yeah. The idea of all of a sudden ordering these things online and, you know, get a look, the guy says there's a, you, you can't, now all your transactions have to go through a gun dealer, right? But the prices here are pretty expensive. He says there's a guy near his hood, I'm not going to say where or whatever, he says a dude, he's a, he's a gun dealer, he's retired, I think he's a retired fireman or policeman, he became a, a certified gun dealer. So what the dude does is every transaction, in other words, if you, if you know, uh, well, my dad, nobody knows what happened to him. My dad had a couple of guns, uh, his service revolver and his personal revolver that went with one of my cousins when he died, and so my, my uncle, when he died, when my cousins snagged him and somehow it disappeared, right? Now, and other than, you know, last thing I need is a policeman's service revolver, brother, but they're my dad's, and if I, if I could find them, I'd want them rather than somebody else have them, right? Right. And, uh, but now... I'm sure there were, he died in 56, so I'm sure there was no such thing as registrations back there. So I would have to take these two guns. I think he's got a personal one in the other. Well, they were there. I would have to take these to a, a licensed federal gun dealer, and they would, they would have to register them you know, in the system and then to me. I couldn't just, like, if, if you and I can't, I can't sell you a gun or you me now. At least in Illinois. I mean, every state, of course, is different. But everything has to run through. So anyway, this guy's got a business. And I think he's doing pretty darn good. He doesn't have any guns that he sells. But if you and I go online and we order something from Wisconsin or Texas, which is way cheaper than maybe a gun store here, it's shipped to him. And you pay him a small fee to go over there. I don't know how small it is, say 20 bucks or whatever. I don't have them just estimating. It might be 100 bucks. Uh, that he turns around and says, okay, and he, he officially sells it to you and registers it. So everything gets in the system. Rather than you just getting this thing in the mail. Which is, you know, obviously a lot better, but I, uh, it's amazing that the, the, the twists and turns in every state. If you your concealed carry card is good for you know, second half hour, we're obviously talking about the market, but I think this is kind of interesting. It it's, is. Your concealed carry card is good for, now in Illinois. It's good for like all contiguous states. It's good in like 20, 27 states. But now, if you go west, unless there's one little spot where you can get you can get through in South Dakota. One of the states you don't have to be. Other than that, you can't get west. <laughs> and if you go south, Florida's no good. I mean, Georgia, Carolina, so you can't get to Florida either. But for another 50 bucks, you can you can be uh, concealed carry in Florida, which which gets you Utah, Carolina, and Carolina and Georgia. <laughs> like, you know, so if like you pass the bar exam, you get reciprocity. <laughs> well, but, but but even this is more bizarre. I, mean, I don't even know. Where, where do you go to get fingerprints these days? You just go to the exchange. The exchange is doing it. Anyway, you got to get fingerprinted. But in Illinois, it's electronic. So you got to go someplace and get fingerprints. I have no idea where to go, so that's probably my next big hang-up. Uh, but in Florida, you gotta, you got to have the old print ones. Where are you going to find somebody here to do that for you? you got to get the old ink ones and send those to Florida. So everything everything, everything is totally controlled. I mean, I mean I, again, Jen, it was, tw- it was a long weekend, 10 hours, two days in a row. But uh, I, I tell you what, I learned more in the people I was with. I was so happy that every one of them was just a terrific person. The guy doing it, him and his wife, his dog even loved me, right? Uh, so I, mean, it, I had a real nice time and learned a lot. Now, whether I ever go any further or not, I, I, I'd, I'd say it's a 50-50. But it's uh, oh, wait, put it this way. One more shooting out here in front of the office, it probably is more than a 50-50. Hey, you know, I mean, it gives you the... What what little certainty you can get because you 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 do what you can do and you, you don't just wait and sit around for something, take a passive approach to this. 
Well, but I mean, the, the one thing that absolutely is, is, is a no-no is you can't be anywhere near booze. So, I mean, if, I mean, if, if you if you went bowling and you had one beer, that thing better be in the trunk unloaded. I mean, there's no way you went anywhere near where you can reach it if you had any, even even a, a half a sniff of booze. You, you, I mean, you don't want any part of that. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's restrictive, and it should be, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I mean. I don't know what else to put it. That's well, the laws are for the law abiding. You know, they don't yeah. apply to the people who don't, don't give two dance about the law. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, I'd rather be among the law abiding if I had my brothers. Well, that's I mean, that's the whole conclusion of, of twenty hours is, is okay. Now you now you got this ability, assuming you'll get your card. But oh, by the way, if, if you got any any brains, you never you never use it. That's the way you should think about it. SB Futures down twenty seven. Nasdaq Futures down one hundred four. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Eliani back on the board after a couple of weeks, and uh, 
Eliana, you sound good. Glad to have you back. Thanks yeah, we, so much, Sean. We, we, we missed you. Missed you. S&P futures <laughs> down 27. NASDAQ futures down 105. The two mats are they're the two mats. They're not, you know, what can I say? They're good, but they're not you. You know, just, <laughs> just saying. We also have Mr. John Flanagan. John, I'm reading some stuff. By the way, you're, you're part of the Stocks and uh, Jack's team. And boy, did I, did I, did I kick up not, not a firestorm between Hal and Carl because they're agreeing with each other. But every 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 memo they're getting deeper and deeper into the economic numbers to the point where <laughs> I can't even I can't even use this other show and they start working formula and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? But I mean, obviously, Hal could dive down into the he can go to calculus if he wants to, but he, he's losing me there. Just put it there. It might have been a day, but today is not the day. Um, two things he um, he's talking about that the Fed can raise the rates and uh, well, here's what he's saying is that. The Fed keeps raising its target rate, but the target rate in real terms is really low, so low that it's negative. So they're really not doing anything. I mean, it, it, I mean, they're not just really; they they really aren't doing anything. And it's uh, so here. And here's why: where do they where do they get these creatures in Washington? I just mentioned earlier uh, they had a guy on here. I couldn't see what state he was in. Talk about changing the Fed mandate to not worry about inflation; just go for employment and go for. Uh, Basically, the stock market being up. But don't they understand that if you reach a point where inflation is screwing your population so bad, you're you end up with you can't maintain your other mandates. How, how do they not know that? I mean, I, anyway. But here's you ever heard of this lady, Ra- Rachel Gresler, former Joint Economic Committee economist Rachel Gresler, says there are 755,000 fewer Americans employed today prior to the pandemic, even as the population aged 16 and over has increased by 4.2 million. Now, I, my, my, my question uh, to these people is, wh- where, where the bleep are you getting that? I'm looking here at the A1 employment status. Now, this is the one that's adjusted, right? But it's going back far enough. You don't, I, I don't have the monthlies in 2020, so the accurate number would be, you know, whatever it would be, uh, the end of February of 220, right? I'm going to use the December of 2019. There can't be that much difference. Now, she claims there's 4.3 million people 16 or over. Now, these numbers here, 163,539. This is the A1 employment report. Now, today, 160, whoa, 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 I'm sorry, uh, 259,175 is the over 16 employment. Uh, and now, and, and, and we're 263,835. So that's 4.5 million people more over 16, correct? Yet... The employed people, she says they're down 755,000. I've got 157,538, and now we're 158,111. Now, clearly we haven't kept pace with employment growth, with, with population growth, but here's the weird part. There's only 163... F- I'm not trying not to be confusing here. The empl- the There's four numbers here. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go through the number, five numbers that are the key numbers. We'll go back to 2019. There's 259,175,000 people that are over the age of 16. They're non-institutionalized. In other words, you're not in jail, right? I don't know what else other institution or mental institution, I guess. Of that, 163,539,000 are, quote, in the labor force, either employed or looking for a job, which is the key screw-up number, the looking for a job. So out of the 163... 157, this is the end of 2019, 157 million are employed, 6 million are unemployed, 
and 95 million, we don't know what they're doing. They probably are in school. They could be retired. Uh, you know, they could be 1099 workers. We haven't picked up yet. They, but they're in this other group, all right. And uh, and then the, the then there's the 60.8 percent number, which tells you the the amount of people that are actually employed out of the 259 that are able to be employed. So those are those are the key numbers, right? And I, yeah. If I said that slow enough. Well, fast forward to today, to last week's report. We now have four, four and a half, she's right, four and a half million more people, okay? We have uh, 500,000 more people that are essentially uh, in the labor force, <coughs> of which <coughs> 147, uh, <coughs> sorry, 157 uh, were working back then, and now there's 158. So she's wrong, according to this. We actually have 700,000 people more employed than back, and she says there's 750-something less. So what she's looking at, I have no idea. But she's off like a million and a half. Now, granted, we did not keep pace. What happened is we actually have virtually the same number unemployed, 5,000,009, but the column at the end is now 4 million higher, and that's where the 4 million people are. <clears throat> now, I'm going to say, Jen, a lot of that is forced uh, unemployment and unemployment retired either forced or otherwise but here but here's the kicker the 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 definition of unemployed is not working and looking for a job correct yeah but what they've done is it used to be like when i got laid off from pullman back in whatever the hell it was 79 um you had to you had to keep checking in whether you were getting paid or not well, I guess when you were getting paid, you had to keep checking in. The definition is, though, if I got my 16 weeks or it was back then unemployment, they've, they've, shall we say, lazied out, in my opinion. If I just run through my 13 or 20 weeks, whatever it is, can't find a job and keep looking for a job, they now say I'm in this column B, not in the... In other words, I think, John, the only people they consider to be looking for a job are the people they're actually sending checks to. Well, it, that would make sense because it doesn't add up with all the help wanted signs I see all over the place that there's people who are looking for work and not being able to find it. Well, I but I, I think some of those are, are I'm going to say I'm going to say BS. Um, I mean, there's a restaurant that Audrey and I go to. The cook was making twelve bucks an hour. You know, he's a really good cook, uh, and he. They offered him a raise to like fifteen, and he says, "You know, thanks for nothing." And basically, probably making twenty-two somewhere now or more. Well, they have a sign-up, but now the the husband and is doing most of the cooking and those kinds of things. They're they're looking for somebody at twelve. They're not going to get anybody at twelve. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of these help wanted signs are just we'd love they to have pipe somebody. dreaming. Well, they can get them back at the old wages. Yeah, I mean, we're all, we're always going to say we want a busboy at ten bucks an hour, but. Guess what? It ain't happening. But the sign's not coming down. Because, yes, if somebody walked in today, of able body, says, I'm reliable and I work for 10 hours, they'd snap them up. But they're not going to snap them up at 20. I mean, I don't think that that's not all of it. I understand that part. But uh, these numbers, you got to be real careful. I don't. I honestly, the thing that's really dangerous, Jan, and I, and I recognized it in the 70s, the average person, surely who works for the government, surely who works for the government, has no idea of the toll of inflation on the average American that, that is not a one percenter. Has no idea and doesn't care or or thinks they know but they don't know. 
Right, because you never you you don't worry about displacements. You don't worry about losing your job. You you don't have to worry about your know, cost of living increases because they're built in. All of this stuff it, it's it's you know permanent employment pretty much. Those people have um, not, not individually. I'm not saying they're bad. I would never do that. You know that. Those people, to be, be perfectly honest, in my opinion, have absolutely no business making policy for the rest of the people. Well, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's not a red or blue thing. It's not left or right. They have they have no idea. I mean, I don't I don't think. Uh, I mean, I I think if you were to ask her, if we I don't know if we would ever do this, if we were to go have a drink with Elizabeth Warren, I'm sure that we would be a stunned by her intelligence, and we'd also be stunned by how narrow it is. Right. She she's worked for a university and the government for what fifty years. I'm not exactly sure on that, but no idea what, what, what the normal person does. There's no idea what it takes to meet a payroll at PTI or anything like that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not slamming her. She just never did it. That's true of everybody making policy. I yeah, think. that's um, what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, and what about Carl's data from, from last week? That PC sent around, and it, it echoed what he was saying on the show, if you, if you look at those BLS numbers, it's as if 700,000 people just vaporized. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes more sense than this other, you know, reading that you're talking about here. That That's the way the numbers seem to, there's a, a gap, there's a hole in the in the labor force. Well, the the, re, the difference there is, and I, I have to start getting the other paid, when Kyle and I are talking all the time, it sounds like we're, we're, we're talking about two different universes. The, the number that I that I use is the one that if you go to the BLS, it's going to be the household data historically. A1 is the employment status of civilian non-institutional population 16 and over. This, this is the one any anybody is going to use, except Carl, because yeah. Carl knows because he knows more. He goes to I think does he go to the A4 table, which I is so, yeah. which is the unadjusted. Now this is adjusted. Now the difference between this thing has. Uh, between May and June, this is a household survey. Uh, the establishment survey had 370,000 people more added, correct? And, and Carl's saying that the actual number was 60, and the adjustment is three something. Now, as to why you would adjust upward in June, when well, typically people are graduating and looking for a job, and people are looking for summer jobs and regular jobs, I, I would thought, I would have thought you'd adjust the other way in June, but that that shows you how much I know. Right. Yeah, intuitively, yeah. You would think you'd adjust the other way. I don't, uh... Um, hey, real quick, talk about page two. What, what do you think of this Elon Musk deal? I mean, it, <laughs> well, you know, I, I had trouble believing it was a, ever going to happen or, or that it was a real deal from the get-go. And the, the cat-and-mouse game that, that Musk was playing with Twitter... I think the whole thing was designed just to show what a sham the whole thing is and how the investment isn't worth anything, at least not what, what, what he had said he was going to pay for it or what Twitter hopes somebody else will. Uh, I, I think it's a dead deal. I think, it's, I think Twitter is a dead entity because of it, and maybe this was Musk's you know, idea all along to discredit this thing, and this is the only way he could do it, and, and in the most public way possible, too, to show that there really is... The value in it is, is not only overstated, but it's it's an, it's an utterly corrupt organization. Because in addition to his plans to purchase it, he had all you know 
all the hopes and dreams that people were saying, now it will be run right, there won't be all the censorship, and blah, 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 blah. That was just, you know, Musk's way, maybe maybe kind of a brilliant move to to tie into stuff that people have felt about it for a while and put this into the discussion, again, in a very public way to completely discredit the corporation. So I, I guess, you know, I think he accomplished what he wanted to do. I don't think he'll end up having to worry very much about it. I think Twitter has got, you know, some, some falling stock prices to worry about now. Um, well, I, I, <laughs> you and I can't be on... I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, but we can't be on totally... We've never been on, on totally different sides of an equation as we are this one. When, when, I, when I say this, I uh, years ago... Let's just say that, uh, I, I, as you know, John, I deal with a lot of different, shall we say, ethnic groups. Is that a fair way of putting things? Yeah. Um, well, one of the people with the ethnic group earned a lot, owned a lot of property in an area that is now another group, shall we say. And, of course, I don't do anything with real estate. So do you know anybody from the other group that might want to buy some of this stuff? You know, we're talking about... Uh, courtyard buildings, you know, some of them have 25, 30 apartments. You know, some are nice places, some, you know, not so nice. And uh, I said I could put you in touch with, like, a couple of people that I know, and, and that's basically what I did. Well, somehow I keep getting the emails from the, the groups, right? And uh, so let's just say the the practice in this, the the buyer area, <laughs> am I trying to be delicate enough here, Jen? <laughs> I mean, the... You do fight that. Eliani, he's now my attorney. Southside people, if you go to look at somebody's house, I mean, the routine is, and Audrey will tell you and answer me on later, you go look at somebody's house, it's your kind of job to go through the place. The real estate agent is going to help you point out this and that and the other thing if they're good because they're, you know, uh, if, if they're your person helping them out. I mean, Audrey is really good at this. She, she knows more about what, what to look for wrong in a house than I ever dreamed, even though I used to remodel them. And, uh, She'll say, "Look, this," and then you essentially put in an offer if you want, sign the sign the agreement, and you you still get to inspect it. I mean, there might be you're not you're not going to go look at a house and go up in the attic, right? I mean, so there's kind of a few things that you bring an inspector in, and you know you want to make sure that there's no termites. I mean, you're not going to look for those when you. So I mean, there's there's things an inspector does, and there's kind of legitimate stuff where if you know if there's a Water in the basement behind the furnace you couldn't see. You know what I'm talking about, John. There's there's stuff in the house that you might cause you to renegotiate the deal. Okay, but it's a it's somewhat narrow, right? I mean, if I mean you can't walk in and say, you know, the the the, the kitchen's painted yellow. I don't like yellow. Well, you saw that when you walked through yourself. Why is it now? You know that type of. Let's just say in this other area that's not the the, the thing at all. So the minute you offer, let's say this courtyard building for sale for a million five or something. They take it. They send back a signed contract. And you sit there and go, did you even look at it? Well, no. We're going to send our inspector out. And I mean, of course, the hair stands up on the back of your neck. And you get the thing two days later, and they go, eh, the million five, we're not doing that. It's got three bad porches. We're, we're like 750. <laughs> you know, and you sit there and go, really? They, 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 they will take, they'll just lob a number out there with the idea that they have no intention ever of paying that number. Right. And as soon as he... And I think that's what Musk did with this place. Just to kill the deal. No, he did. No, he, he said, I'm going to... What was it? 54, $44 billion. That's what I'm going to pay because he can't shut up at all. But, he, but his whole idea was if everything is absolutely perfect, 
that's what I'll but you, but you can't do that to markets, John. I mean, it's not it's not like you know he he, he said he I mean, all of a sudden his stock goes flying down. He doesn't have fifty four or forty four billion because his place is now half as expensive as when he started this fiasco. I mean, the dude doesn't have that kind of money, and all of a sudden now now what what excuse am I going to use to weasel my way out of this? Oh, they didn't they didn't respond. It's just just like the people. Saying they'll 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 pay a million and a half for a building they never even saw. The minute they see it, ah, oh, no man, that's seven fifty. That that that's my view of the situation. You're oh, and that that could very well be. I'm not I'm not ruling that um, out. But I mean, the whole pattern since this, this deal first broke, this is just the the you know the final example I think of, of must doing the same thing all along. It was about wait, put, you know, putting the brakes on stuff, calling into question the numbers. You know, how many accounts really does Twitter have? How inflated is it? This is there's been warning light after warning light after warning light. He's done the same thing over and over again. So it may be that all of a sudden he realized he didn't have the money. Maybe he realized that sooner than he wanted anybody to know. But I think there was also a, a kind of calculated attempt to just dismantle the whole thing. And I think that that will succeed in the end, probably. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm I'm struggling with this, John, because. If somebody were to say, uh, "You're you're listing this place for a million five, hey, we drove by it. It looks like half the windows are out and the porches are no good. Come on, million five is not really the number. It looks to us like maybe it's it's seven fifty. And oh, by the way, we still want to inspect it to make sure the things have totally fallen down. I I can get that part, you know, I I, I get it. But for for Trump to Trump knew that there's I use the term fake accounts there, right? Because he's been doing it, I'm sure he's he's one of the, he's probably one of the, the number one people inflating the amount of people that he's got in Twitter following him. So I mean, so to lob a number out there to, to cause the stock to go up when he probably bought some beforehand, if it turns out that he sold some up high after he said that, John, that to me that's a felony. I mean, for him, you know, because he he's big enough to move the market. You and I aren't moving the market in in in. Uh, in uh, courtyard buildings by doing this. I'm just saying, just be honest. Say, you know, I'm, I would, I would, I'll pay 35 or I'll pay 40 or something. Don't don't say you're going to pay 50 or whatever the hell he said, and it with no intention of doing it. Oh, yeah, well, you know, a question where, where Trump or anybody else saying, here's here's the number of followers I have, and I'm going to put that block of followers on the market, and, and it's an inflated amount. And, of course, how many... How many accounts can you really believe of how many followers any celebrity or any person has on Twitter? But it's another thing when you get fake numbers of how many people actually belong to Twitter. <laughs> and, w- and what is this thing? Is it is it at all? Does the price have anything to do with the, with the number of subscribers? Can you give me a, a reliable number of how many subscribers? I think that's different. I think I think Musk learned early on that they were just blowing smoke at everybody. Anybody who's going to buy this thing is going to get sucked. Well, my point but is you. You could have, just like the people that said, "I'll take the place at a million five when they had no intention. He, he knew this price was was going to come down because he knew he was going to find something because he's probably doing it. And Kevin can explain better how you go in bots and all the other kind of stuff. But I'll, I'll bet he was he's, from day one. He's been inflating his Twitter numbers. Oh sure, and that, again, that's Trump. You know, that, that it's all about you know puffing it up using you know however you, you can verify what those numbers are. At all is you know it's going to change from minute to minute, but what, but the idea of how many subscribers you have and Twitter has responsibility for knowing that and you know managing it 
That's another one. I think that's why Dorsey got out when he did, because he knew the whole thing was about, about the collapse. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not at all absolving those people. What I'm saying is stocks trading here are like 33. I'm, I'm looking at my kind of eyeball on the graph here. He comes out with this proclamation. He's going to pay, what, 54? The stock runs to 50. Well, if, if I bought it at 50 thinking this was a done deal because I actually believe this chump, I, I, got a, I got a real problem with it, to be honest with you. I got a real problem with it. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty ugly gamesmanship, yeah. It's, it's, there's many examples of this in history. Especially you know. with him. He's going to buy a not, But not just him. Yeah, well, but but I'm yeah saying definitely with him, sure. But here's a guy, Jan. Now, you and I, if we did anything like this, he did it with his own company once. And the SEC said, hey, don't do anything like that ever again, by the way. Didn't he lose his chairmanship or something? Didn't he say he was going to take it private at a certain price? And it turns out he said, no, I'm just kidding. Well, he does it again. I mean, we're talking about a guy, he's, he's, he, he cannot, who, who's behind this guy? that The SEC can't, can't even touch the guy. Yet if it's me, they don't, they don't care. They'll, they'll bury me. You know, it, it's yet another example of the big people versus, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, how many sets of laws are in this country every every time? Oh, yeah. I'm, believe me, I'm not trying to absolve Musk because the guy's walked on water for, for no apparent reason that I know of. Um, and, and made money that in ways that you or I or anybody else never could have, and gotten government money to build what he's got. And you know that that to me, is, you know, is a sign of some kind of crookedness deep down. It's like what is what's the, the novelist Balzac? You know, behind every great fortune there is a great crime, and I think there's a lot of great crimes behind Musk, but there's also a lot of great crimes behind Twitter. And well, that's that suspect too. So I'm saying you got you, there are dirty players all around here, and when you get people like Musk going head to head with Twitter, you know, the, the dirt versus the dirt. <laughs> well, I guess Janet comes down to if if somebody, <laughs> I can only imagine what they'd have to do if somebody dropped two trillion dollars on us. Uh, where would you even put that? What bank could take that check? <laughs> just just saying. <laughs> what would you even? I'd have to start a bank. Tom. You know what? Won't be me for trying to do that too. <laughs> how, how big would the check have to be to get all the zeros out? Anyway, the uh, so somebody does, and, and you and I—I I mean, we've talked on the show ten times about uh, Tesla getting all these. I mean, most of their, most if not all of their profit, has been these carbon credits from other companies. Well, we've talked about it. So suppose you and I say, <clears throat> okay, we're going to tr- Tesla's trading what seven fifty today or something. Well, we're going to we're going to seven sixty. We're going to pay. 900 for Tesla, the, the, the chief and Flanny group. And then we're going to, and all of a sudden the stack runs up, you know, and we got, maybe by that time we have a big name. Uh, the, the, the thing runs up, we get our financing with this, that, and we go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> well, well, first of all, we're going to go buy stack at 760 when all the chumps go and buy it at, at 900 because they think we're going to pay the thousand we said we would. We sell it to them, and then we go, oh, man, we didn't, ever, we didn't know beans about these carbon credits. We didn't know they were getting all this money from other places. We had never made this bid. We're out. Well, hey, Chad, it's, it's been public knowledge forever. I mean, if anybody, if the, I mean, I may not know that there's whatever they call them, bots and tweets, because I never tweet, but he sure knew. I mean, can I really make a case that I didn't know he was getting checks from Ford Motor? Oh, I, I think he just wanted to smoke them out. Yeah. Expose them, that's all. Well, you, I, think, I, I think he did a pretty good job yeah, of but, that. but you're giving him some sort of a an altruistic... Well, it, it, I shouldn't say it's altruistic. I just think he's got a grudge or whatever. For whatever reason, and he speaks for other people, I think, who have similar grudges. 
and he doesn't need Twitter. I mean, I mean, he's kind of taking an attitude that a lot of other people can't afford to take. Uh, this, the Twitter doesn't do much for him. It, well, it I bet doesn't he's helped got... him get to be the wealthiest person oh, in the world. I bet you. But but he sees it as kind of a, of a triumph of just a personal kind. I don't think there's any altruism necessarily in it. Other, other than Trump, can you think of anybody who's had more reads on his tweets than this guy? What do you mean? He doesn't 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 want, doesn't care about Twitter. It's the guy's whole mouthpiece. Well, you have a pretty good. I mean, the, the press loves him. To put Twitter aside, it's just he, he can't keep his face out of the news. But but, I mean, le- but he leads to the press through Twitter. They're following him. So if he oh, says yeah, it could be that too. So so if he says something on Twitter, they can't wait to go interview him for the rest of the story. But but that's it's not like he's putting out press releases like twenty years ago. <laughs> I mean, how would these guys get communicate now if it wasn't for Twitter? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I guess I mean because you, you you can't. I mean, if I if I were to say something really bizarre on Twitter to caught somebody's eye. That's what's going to get me an interview, not by calling up Channel Seven, and say, "Hey, I'm the chief guy. <laughs> Come interview me." That's not going to work. Well, I, I think you know the, the, the suspicion about Twitter has always been that it's not. It isn't a news organization. That's how they style themselves, and Facebook too, and all these things. They're, they're not publishers, and maybe this is you know a kind of reckoning that's coming up here. What exactly are they, and can we decide to satisfy enough people? Before we go forward with with some crazy deals like like Musk's, uh, what actually are we dealing with here legally and well, politically? Well, it's like the town square on steroid roids, roid, 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 roid. Oh, a time a short time. I just wanted something we could pick up maybe on on Thursday. But the stuff that's going on in China now with the oh, yeah. retail banks and you know freezing deposits and civil unrest. This is the the, the inevitable kind of fall off from what's been happening in China for well over a year now and, 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 and it's, it's, it's something to watch it's not going to be well you know, John let's let's prepare some on that because I want to go into the dollar denominated debt and how it might be affected and China's all over the place with other people's debt it's, it can't be good John thank you very much yep. S&P futures down 24 NASDAQ futures down 90 be right back Nancy Graham How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe, Aliani on the board. S&P Futures down 26. We've been down all morning pretty much in this in this area. I mean, this may be one of the, about the lowest point I've seen, but not horrible. It came in, it was like down 24. NASDAQ Futures down almost exact, well, exactly 100. Just as I was going to say that, they popped right exactly 100. Dow Futures down 152. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 110, 0.8%. FTSE down 22.3. This is worse than it was an hour ago. Kakaran down 44, worse if you're long, not uh, better if you're short, I guess. Kakaran uh, down 46.8%. Renasia, this that's moving, they're closed. Nikkei is actually up 295, 1.1%. Shanghai down 42, 1.3. Hang Seng down, whack, whack. 602, 2.8% is Tencent and Alibaba just, are just getting hammered. Uh, again, now, Hang Seng is a spot where a lot of these things are, are listed, and that's why they've, they've been so volatile and not so good the last year. Uh, Friday, Dow was down 46, S&P down 3, NASDAQ up 13. As they say, the trading floor was an inside day. Uh, bonds, 10 years down 6 basis points, 3.05. The Bund minus 6 basis points, 1.28. Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil, down 274 now, but still over 100, 102.05. Brent down 229 at 104.73. Natural gas up 31 cents now, it's 5.5%. Uh, 6.35, again, a long way from the 9.30 it got to, or 9.29, whatever it was. Arbob down 6 cents, 3.38. We've got gold down 8.20 at 17.34. Silver down 6 cents at 19.17. Copper down 4 cents, 3.47. We have Bitcoin down 289 to 20,527. Still staying above that 20,000 number that everybody's looking at. What do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.35 a.m. on July 11th. Let's start with sports. 
Uh, Cubs lost last night to the Dodgers 11 to 9. Sox last night beat the Tigers 4 to 2, and they will be playing the Guardians tonight at 6:10. And the Diamondbacks lost to the Rockies last night 3 to 2, and they will be playing the Giants tonight at 8:45. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, beautiful day, mostly sunny, 72, high of 88, low of 70. Looking at weather in Phoenix, currently partly cloudy, 90 with a high of 113 and a low of 89. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, we have quite a bit, so let's get through that. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 and 94 construction intersect. We have traffic westbound on 290 between Independence and 9th. Uh, we have traffic northbound on 294 between the I-88 ramp and the I-90 ramp with an accident at the 88 east-west tollway. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between Cumberland and Lawrence and westbound between Lawrence and Cumberland. Traffic eastbound 94 between Irving Park Road and Canal Port. Traffic northbound, sorry, westbound on 94 between 47th and West Division. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Damon. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 31st and East Grand. And finally, traffic southbound on Lakeshore Drive between Chicago and East Roosevelt. Back to you, Chief. Wow, a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. What uh, do we have, Nancy? Nancy, are you here? Sounds like yes, you are. I am. How are you? How are you? Good morning. How are things? How are on, you? I'm all right. How are things down on the Great South Side? I was at the Great Northwest Side all weekend. I didn't even know the Northwest Side went that far, but it does. I felt like I was in Kenosha for God's sake, but it was. I was up there. Um, had a nice time. Uh, um, the uh, I imagine mean, did you guys make, make do without me? You know what? Yes, we did. I mean, I know it's impossible to believe, but it happened. I know. It's, uh, well, it's, it's Monday morning, and we survived. Well, somebody somebody else had a dig at the at the restaurant. I didn't know that had happened. And all, uh, um. Well, I cooked. Oh, there you go. Did you do your yeah, salmon I special? Don't worry about the restaurant. Wait, what is your? I did the salmon. Mm-hmm. Without me, you did the salmon. What's that mean? I did the salmon. I know. Without me, there again. Well, I didn't know you weren't coming. Oh, okay. There was a there was one lonely extra piece. <laughs> so that's your story. You're sticking to it. <laughs> I love it. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Friday, uh, Saturday night, she went out without me, so it was the other boyfriend that she oh, had yeah. that she went out with. So I didn't have to pick up that. That bill got picked up by somebody else. Too. I probably went to a more expensive place than I would have taken her anyway. So you know, just saying. That's true. She did. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't hear it from me. No, no, God, no. What's going on in the, in the mortgage world? I'm just, we got a, an email from one of our guys here today. Uh, I mean, this, this is what's happening in the, in the downtown. Uh, evidently, uh, I mean, you, you know, just because you're bright and, and, and read all this stuff, not because you deal with it. Wells Fargo just took control of the 610-room JW Marriott Chicago with a winning bid of $251 million. Uh I had not heard that. Owner had not made a payment on a $203 million loan since last summer. The amount owed has grown to $243 million, so the hotel opened in 2010. If you got a hotel in the South Loop area, good luck. Uh, in 2019, Marriott was bringing in more than $72 million with expenses of around 50 First month, nine months of 2020, they lost more than $6 million. So that's that's the downtown area. Boy, that's, that's scary, isn't it, Nancy? It's very scary. What? Uh, it's very scary. You're downtown during the day. What is it like? Uh, the South Loop area. It's, it's the further you get towards the middle of the loop, it's a, it's a little better. But the the COVID on top of the demise of the exchanges, where there were you know 4,500 people working, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. There's a 
most of the buildings where my health club is, uh, which is 425, used to be 440, then went to 420, whatever. I'm going to say 60% rented, 30% occupied. 175, which is in foreclosure. Wow. Yeah, 175, it's in foreclosure, or I'm going to say 55% rented, although the government just took a big piece of it. Uh, uh, one of the fire academy, somebody, somebody took a floor or two. I'm going to say 15% people. There's no no bars, there's no restaurants, there's no drugstore. I mean, it's a whole square block, and there's nothing there. It's, it's, it's crazy. The uh, Anyway, what's... Uh, in, in the mortgage world, we've had no, nobody dreamt that the rates were going to come back down again, but they have. Uh, but they've been going up and down so fast that people almost really can't make a, a buy decision based on them, can they? I mean, it's they're going up and down by the week. No, no, no. The buy decision has to be made on the inventory that you see and is it available. Um, we're still in this. If it's, it's, if it's a really nice home, I mean, it will go like in the weekend on a weekend it'll just go but if it's you know more iffy that's going to take a little bit more time but you can't make your decision on, on what your rate is at all you just got to make it whether or not you want to buy or you don't want to buy at this point I mean I think that will change but um, people that are getting the 6% rate are just you know saying I missed I missed the boat that's all and the so prices, they're, they're paying, you know, they're they're at least they're getting the home. So it's there's kind of this mixed feeling out there about it. What is the uh, did, and was, even though the rates have come down a little bit, it doesn't it doesn't you only get that if you're really a credit. If you're not a credit, you're not getting it. What um so what is your did you manage to sneak in a few refis in the last couple of weeks since we have dipped down or they they that's still dead? Oh no, refis are dead. So not even not even a glimmer there. What what about uh, no adjustable versus regular? What's that ratio now? Still nothing. Still nothing. No one understands how what's going to happen with the adjustables because they're so new and people. Uh, there's not a big enough spread between that and the thirty year. Um, the sleeper right now is the twenty year. If you can try and get into that, they have some decent rates. Now, is that amortized over so, twenty or over thirty? Our 20 is better than 30 right now. I'm saying, is it, is it amortized over 20 or is there a balloon? Do, do you get a balloon? Or is there a balloon or is it amortized over no. 20? It's over 20. So it's so it's going to be reasonable. It's over 20. And it's kind of like the sleeper because the 30, let's say on a $400,000 mortgage, the, the, um, the difference between the two is about $500 a month. If you can increase, if you can do the 20. So that's not that's not really that bad over four hundred thousand with a four hundred thousand dollar loan. You realize you just you just, you just you realize you just slayed me, Shrek, because by saying that the adjustables are so are so new, they're actually so old. <laughs> or does that just make me old? I mean, adjustables were all the go twenty thirty years ago, weren't they? Yeah, they were, but uh, with the history of what's going to happen with this new how the index works, nobody really has any history there. Therefore, nobody's really buying them yet. Okay, so let me, as a way to word of review, back, uh, certainly back when, when mortgage rates were, you know, 12 and a half or 14, adjustables were, were the go. And they, up to as late as maybe 
15 to 20 years ago, there was a lot of adjustables on the market, and the, the adjustable rate, how it got there, I don't know, Nance, but for most of them was what, LIBOR? LIBOR, most of it was LIBOR, and then there was the T-Bell. Right, so, so um, explain to everybody how that worked, how, often, it, so how often that adjusted, and... Well, the, the, the LIBOR, they had so many different products, but you, the, the most common was that it, um, you know, you had a fixed rate for either three, five, or seven years, and if you took the five-year, that which most people took, they, um, you could only adjust 1% up or down in a year, and it capped off with a 7% max, so it could go as high as 12, which back in our day, 12, we all saw 12. Um, and the floor, I think, was two and a quarter. So, and most of those adjusted down when you ran out your um, long-term scenario sheet. Most of them adjusted down, and it proved out they did. Yeah. They did adjust down. Some people were paying. Like, people would call me and say, oh, you know, that loan you got me, you know, it's adjusted to 2.75%. I mean, everybody was thrilled, but nobody understands what will happen with the new arms. We don't, we don't know how they're going to adjust. One of the guys in a, a, the, a former uh, contributor to the show and still good friend, uh, Shanny, people remember him. He, his place in Glen Allen, I think he told me he never had an uptick. It was it went down like every year since he's had it. You know, right. The LIBORs always went down, and the T-bills, they were different. They could adjust 2% in a given year, every year, and they, could, they would go up 6%. So over the life of the loan. So, um, uh, it, but they still did well too. But the LIBORs did extremely well, and now that that system is gone, when people ask you, "Well, what's the history on this?" I mean, there's not a lot of history to give them. So right now, if I sign up That's for one of these things, what, what 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 how often? If I sign up for one now, what I'm paying, I'd pay what six percent in year one, then it, it'll go down a percent or up or down a percent after a year, uh, and based on what. Uh, for something they call the SOFR. And SOFR? What's to that? To tell you the truth, I don't really totally understand it myself. Well, that's the new, that's the new LIBOR. So, and that's the new LIBOR. Yes, that's the new LIBOR, the SOFR. It's an overnight lending rate they're going to base it on. So it's that plus something. So I'm, and then there's going to be, you know, something added, I'm sure, onto that, some kind of index. Well, the LIBOR had to be LIBOR be plus two course. or something. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so it's going to be interesting, but the um, the problem is, time there's not enough spread between them. If there was a two percent spread, everybody would be doing the sulfur saying, "Who cares?" Right? Right. And there's not that kind of a spread between the six and the sulfur yet. Right. It's not there. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, I, so in other words, if if the thirty year was seven and your adjustable started out at five, adjustable you might do right. it, but if they're both seven, why would you? Is what you're saying? Well, even if they're there's Six and a quarter and seven. Why would you? Because if it ever well, that's that's the problem. Because it ever went down to three, you'd refinance them anyway, right? Right. People would start doing it then. But there are so many people that are at three on a fixed rate or three point five or you know, there's something low that they're not they're not that interested. Well, so the sofas are going to come. I mean, their arms are going to come back. They're going to run lower rates on them, I think, and they'll get more people interested in them, but right now there's just not enough wiggle room between the fixed and the, the arms to take it. Well, the uh, as you know, as my concerns and all this stuff is when 
these numbers move around, and I know you understand it because you deal with it every day, but most people, if, if you ask them straight out, if they thought about it, they would, they, would, they would realize what I'm talking about, but don't really get how these numbers, when they move around so rapidly, and the Fed does what it does, going all the way back to whenever they started messing around with it in 1968, the Fed has basically been the, the, the villain or the, the benefactor to people for the last, how many years is 68? 32 plus 22, 54 years, right? A long time. I mean, they've been, they've been basically, what? they've been basically got their, their finger where it doesn't belong. You know, you could say where the sun don't shine, but I won't do that on the air. But I mean, they got, they got, they're involved. So, you know, should rates ever have been 12%? No. Should they ever have been 3%? No. Right? In, in mortgage rates, whatever. I mean, they should be what? It's five and a half, six, six and a half, six and three quarters, like for decades. Where there's some... They should at least be in the fives for decades. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say back when, well, I was a tyke, uh, I was older tyke than you, but you went to the savings and loan, your parents got 3% in the passbook, the mortgages were six, the other 3% paid for all the overhead, paid for all the stuff, the couple people didn't pay, and paid for the Little League uniforms, the bowling uniforms, right? I mean, that was that was the world, and it and it wasn't a bad That's world. Cr- well, it could be even it could be even as low as two percent over, but yeah, some places that were two percent paid that somewhere between two and three percent paid for the the rate on the mortgage. That's correct. Yeah, and it paid the overhead, paid all the other stuff. You had people there, and you, had, you know. But my story is there, there's a certain certainty to that. I'm not saying it shouldn't move, it, you know, or anything like that. But but this idea now that you know we. You you paid twelve and a half percent. Your kids paying three <laughs> percent for the same same sort of loan is lunacy. I mean, you you can't plan like that. And but but that's what that's kind of where we're headed. But I uh, but it, but it all means a lot. Even the people that you put in, you know, with the jobless rate now low. Well, what if what if we go into a recession, Nance? It shouldn't. Now the people that bought houses, let's say Audrey put somebody in a house at a fair price. You know, market price, and I don't think, you know, Audrey knows what she's doing, so the people didn't, quote, overpay. Well, all right, so you put them in a nice 3% mortgage or 3.1 or something, doing the job that you do. Now, all of a sudden, maybe the person or persons are laid off. Now, without any problem with them, now the interest rates are now 6. And even though it hasn't quite happened yet in your area, that means that the price of the house is going to go down, right, because the price of the mortgage is going up. I mean, I'm not saying it's happened yet, but it, right. but it will. So all of a sudden, that person who thinks he and his lovely bride will be living in his house for the next 25 years and they got a great deal, says, holy holy bleep, Batman, i, I got to move to Tulsa or, or New York or someplace. i got to sell this place. Oh, by the way, now at the rate 6, the 400 grand I paid for it is now 370. So i gotta, I got to basically get 30 grand coming out of my behind to do that, plus the cost of doing it. Now I gotta go to New York, and, and even if I pay three seventy for the same place, I now gotta pay six percent instead of three. Okay, how's he doing? Just just in a, just in the course of a year. I mean, you, you, we shouldn't we shouldn't be this volatile, man. So I don't think. I mean, where where people can really well, hurt. Years something. ago, you had to put in your scenario. Years ago, you had to put twenty percent down, so he wouldn't be owing three seventy. He would already be at three twenty. Right, and the loss would, you know, just be absorbed. But we don't do that anymore. We allow them to get in with, you know, three percent down, which is twelve thousand dollars. Well, so, so if of he, course, they're yeah. If he takes a twenty thousand dollar hit, he owes eight, which is even worse. Right. 
I mean, right. how, I mean, how many, right. how many people? Uh, I don't. I, I'm thinking you guys are. I'm gonna say you're you're lucky in your area, Nance, because you never had a huge. I say you, you and Audrey and the Tinley Oral and that whole area. You never had the massive run up in the first place. So I don't think too many people are underwater. Do you? No, I I would agree with that. But I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say some people in California, Florida. Those places are probably seriously underwater without even knowing it. I would agree with that. Right? They don't even realize that. What the? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I can't even imagine Audrey selling a house for somebody, and all of a sudden that person walking in with a thirty thousand dollars check for the bank and say, "Here we're even." I mean, boy, that's that's. That, does anybody have thirty thousand in the bank to do that? I I'm going to say probably not very many. But most of the people, most of the borrowers that I see are living paycheck to paycheck. So, and as long as that continues and you can buy a home in that scenario, you know, you, you run the risk of exactly what you're describing. Well, and everything's but fine. It's the same thing for someone who's renting. The rent is just as expensive as is. The rent, in some cases, is even more expensive than the house payment. So maybe you are better off with the house. Well, Nance, I was very anxious to have you on today, maybe because I love your scintillating personality to start with, but we were talking last week with one of the ladies here in the office uh, who, who's a renter. Um, Audrey, I think you and Audrey were talking on the phone, loudly, of course, so I overheard. Uh, not that it's an accusation, it's just kind of a fact. Uh, so I overheard you guys were talking about some of the rental people now want to, to, I mean, to rent somebody's apartment. They want you to earn essentially three times more than the rent. And uh, you know, one of the ladies here in the office said, well, that's always kind of been the formula. You know, it should be 0.3 or 0.35% of your salary should go for your rent. And I I guess she's right. I mean, I'm sure you're going to say she's right, and I was goofy as usual. But I immediately looked to the math. Uh, Nance, how, if, somebody's ma- if somebody's paying $1,500 a month rent, the person could very well be making forty five hundred a month. So what is that? Forty that's fifty four thousand a year. I mean I mean, you know, it's 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 above median, but a lot of people are making it, right? I mean, especially a lot of people we know are not making thirty some thousand, they're making fifty, sixty. I I get that part. But how is it exactly if the rent goes from twenty five uh, fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred, which it sort of has in the last two years, now that person's gonna be making uh uh three He's got to be making seventy five hundred a month, which is what seventy. Uh, God, it's, it's I need my calculator for that. The person has not gotten that raise. I mean, I mean, I mean, you just because that is correct. I mean, they're not even close. I mean, I mean, seventy five hundred. I'll do my use my calculator. It's earlier. It's ninety grand. I got I got news for you. <laughs> the guy the guy that was making fifty four two years ago is not making ninety now. So what do you do? What happens to all your ratios? I know you guys have all these kinds of ratios. Well, in the renting situation, the people that come to me at this time, I tell them you need to purchase now, and they'll say, well, I don't have any money to put down, but if you do the 3%, um, they can borrow that off their 401k and still get in. And get a, because you wouldn't have that kind of an increase or swing in a mortgage. Right. Well, unless, unless I, you have, a, I have a lady right now. Her landlord's raising the rent five hundred dollars a month. 
Oh, no, Where's and, she supposed to pull that from? Well, and the, the the formula would be she's got to get a fifteen hundred dollar a month raise. I'm gonna I'm gonna say easily that's not gonna happen. No, no, and and well, she's partially disabled. So I mean, it, that's what I'm saying. You can't even the the lower income um, sector cannot absorb these kind of crazy rent raises. They just can't. Yeah, why? Well, the thing of it is about the buying, though, is, as you know, I mean, obviously, when everybody, what, what do you think the spread is between the the lovely couple, whatever age they are? I mean, when they're older, they probably, you know, maybe know more or something. I won't say because they're older, they're smarter. I'm saying the, the the normal couple that you put in, first time home buyers, just married, get the, the two little babies and so forth. Life is good. I'm going to say their expectation. Those kids make more money because they're both working and. Um, their expenses are lower, that sort of thing. And they have jobs that are paying, giving them health insurance, and they're just healthier. Well, but my, my, so they're my, not paying the, the health costs that others are. Well, what I'm saying is their view of their future is probably we're going to be 15, 20 years in this place, and these kids are going to go to this grammar school and this high school. But whenever the economy screws up, a lot of those plans you know, the best laid plans of mice and men, right? All of a sudden, somebody's changing their job and they're moving to Denver or something else. You have to turn around and sell this place. I'm saying a lot of what happens to people is is not intended. So, yeah, if, if you can find somebody to borrow 3% of their 401k and put them in a house for $1,000 cheaper than rent, man, it's, it's genius. You just help somebody out huge. Unless... <laughs> they, they they all of a sudden have to go to Tulsa next year or L.A. and have to puke the thing out after a year, right? That's true, but then they still have the opportunity of possibly renting the house and keeping up with it. That's that true. Way, That's if true. If they're upside down, you know, if they're not, they don't have enough equity. If it fell down, what if it went up? I mean, you just don't know. Well, right. But they have more hope because they don't have the knowledge that we've we've seen. Well, so their hope is eternal. Why ours is like, okay, we've seen this picture before. Well, I mean, I guess you know the the, the I guess the difference between somebody in your business that sees stuff bad happen and something somebody in mine on a trader on the floor, somebody will always tell you the good stuff that'll happen. Yeah, I could buy this house at four hundred grand in two years. It's six hundred. I, I guess I was born with a horseshoe up my ass. You know, I mean, that, that has happened to a lot of people. But you at least have to say to yourself. Well, what if it what if it's three fifty a year? Am I, am I living in a tent, or what am I doing? I'm saying you, have, you at least look at the other side. I mean, the the Trump situation. I worry about. Thank God we don't have any. I worry about one of my clients that, that might have called in, you know, a year of six months ago, saying, "Hey, the stock's forty eight. Trump's or Trump? I keep saying Trump. Musk. Those guys. Why do they? They seem like they're the same person. I mean, what are they always talking? Uh, why does Why does Musk going to pay fifty four? I'll pay forty eight. Now, all of a sudden, it's 34. Well, okay, I, I guess we can always look up, but sometimes you got to say, what if this guy's just blowing smoke, which it turned out he was? Well, I, I don't want my, my people losing 14 bucks on the stock. You know what I'm saying? So housing, when, when the Fed's doing this, we're all in, we're all out routine, makes it much more volatile for your clients, sort of like what the Fed's doing to my clients. Is I, guess what, I guess that's the, the, the connection I'm trying to make here clumsily. So, well, if, if you think I'm I wrong. just don't think that 
I don't think the people think they're part. I think they just think about I need this. Ne- I you know they're only in the picture of now. Yeah. Further down the road, they don't think they're far ahead. And we all hope, I can say it. And we all hope it really works out because <laughs> most of the time it will, Correct. right? I mean, most of the time it will, and that's that's America, right? That's the beauty of it. But once in a while, it doesn't, and right. it, and you know it's usually somebody's fault in Washington. It never seems to. Never seems to get, you know in the town square within the, in the stocks because of it. But so right now uh, business is still good on, on people that are uh, buying places. Right, you're just not getting any refis. We're not getting any refis. It's all purchase business. That's it. All right, you got thirty seconds to give okay. us a number. If anybody has a purchase out there, they can call me at seven zero eight three four one nine six zero one, or they can um, email me at Nancy Graham. That's G R A H A M. Go. APMC.com. And I will say that if you don't use Nancy, you're doing yourself a disservice. Nancy, take care of yourself. Maybe I'll get a piece of salmon one of these days. We'll see. S&P Futures down 25. Tell me when you're coming. S&P Futures down 25. Nancy Futures down 83. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jacks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.